Hey, I missed you guys. It is it has literally been three weeks since uh, I've been in one of these services. I don't think I've ever missed three Chi Alphas in a row, just so you know. And like... 15 years of doing Chi Alpha, I'm not sure that I ever missed three services in a row. So this is a first for me, and um, just so you know, I'm pretty excited, pretty stoked to be here. I feel like super filled up. I think that I could preach for hours, but I won't do that to you tonight, because I've had like three weeks to store up some good stuff. So um, really, what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to stick to one topic, one thing, and um, and, and I'm going to try to uh, to limit this to like... 30 minutes or less, okay? That's what I'm shooting for. It means we get out of here at about 8 o'clock. Now, some of you guys are already looking at your watches, okay? Um, you should go ahead and put that away because <laughs> if we don't end at 8, we're not going to end at 8. That's all there is to it. Um, so we're going to, uh, we're just going to listen for the Lord tonight a little bit. And um, let, me, let me just say this. Um, man, it is exciting for me to be gone for three weeks and to return and there are still people in the room. Because what that means is that there are a lot of you who jumped in and filled in and, and kind of filled the gaps and played some leadership roles that maybe you haven't played before. You took some responsibility that maybe you haven't taken before. And um, let me just say a big, huge thank you to everyone who stepped up and played a part in making sure that Chi Alpha existed in our absence. Man, we had our entire leadership team gone last week. And um, so it's pretty exciting to actually see people here this week. Um, because as a pastor, when you, like, when you do that, when you take your whole leadership team out, like what other business on the face of the earth like runs without any employees, right? Or any managers? Like think about your job with no managers. It would just, yeah, people would just run amok, right? So I'm pretty sure that happened last week, but you're back. So thank you. Um, we appreciate you. We love you. We're glad that you're here. Um, <clears throat> more than that, I hope there's one thing that you catch tonight, and it's this, it's that God loves you. And, and, and literally, our topic for tonight is the love of God. God's love for you. We're going to base it all on one verse out of the Bible, um, actually two verses, one section of Scripture out of the Bible, Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39. Um, if you've never read Romans chapter 8, you need to go read Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is like, it highlights like all of the legends of our faith, okay? And maybe you don't know the names that are in there, but you should like take Romans 8 and just go through there and look up the stories that are being referenced in Romans chapter 8. And then at the very end of it, towards the end of Romans chapter 8, um, we, we read this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, some of you, that's kind of a new statement for you. Because some of you have never actually considered that the God of the universe, number one, even cares about who you are, cares that you exist, Maybe he created you, but you've kind of felt like God is just kind of hands off. Maybe there's like a distance between you and the Lord. But, but if you read this verse right here, what you actually find out is that the Lord is deeply and madly in love with us. Is his creation. And for some of you, that's a little bit um, transformational. For some of you, you're like, I never even knew I was on God, God's mind. You're not just on his mind, you're in his heart. Like, he, 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 his heart yearns for you. His heart is, is, is like, it's like, you could say it like this. His heart is like addicted to you. 
He, he loves nothing more than, than for you to be in his presence, to be spending time with him. It, it, it's like during worship times, we have this opportunity collectively to come together to worship the Lord and to, to be in his presence. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Why? Well, because God actually loves us, right? You ever been in the presence of somebody that doesn't like you? Yeah? You ever felt like, so here's the truth. Um, I think that maybe, like, sometimes um, people will come into a church and they feel unloved or unliked because of some of the, like, the people in the church. And, and so, if you were to ask your generation right now, they would say things like, I, I like Jesus, I just don't like the church. And you've got to wonder, why is that? Well, probably because at some point they've been in the presence of someone who didn't love them like God loves them. Right? And when you're in the presence of someone who you think is critical towards you or, or maybe cuts you down or, you know, it, it just doesn't like you, it's an awkward situation, isn't it? Like, how many of you go and hang out with people that don't like you on the regular? You're weird. That's all there is to it. Yeah, you're weird. Um, <laughs> nobody, right? Like, nobody wants to be in the presence of someone who doesn't love them, who doesn't at least like them, right? In fact, if I were to go through your phone right now and just start scrolling through names and say, hey, when's the last time you hung out with this person, right? And I could kind of tell how much you loved them based on, like, your communication with them, the time that you spend with them, how often you've texted them, called them, you know, Snapchat them, whatever, right? Whatever your medium of communication is, there's been some communication and some togetherness there because you like them. But if you don't, I'd probably go through there and, you know, I'd like hit the little text button on your phone and it would come up blank. You'd be like, I haven't texted them in like two years. I don't, you know, I don't even like them anymore, right? <laughs> you, don't, you just don't hang out with people you don't like. My hope tonight is to get you to realize God likes you a lot. He, he loves you. A lot. And my hope in that is that, that somehow, and in, 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 in maybe for some of you, it changes your attitude and your perception and the emotions that arise up within you when you think about God that, that maybe, because God does love you a whole lot, you might want to spend a little time with him. And so as we read through this verse, you know, I, I'm reminded of like all of the people who, who give me all kinds of reasons that they cannot be loved by God. And so it, I, we're going to list just a few things that, um, <clears throat> that are reasons people give for not feeling loved by God. And one is this. Um, it's, it's your history. It's like, dude, I got a past. Join the club, right? Um, we all got a past, okay? But, but like some people be like, Heath, if I walked into your church, it would burn down, okay? And, and I'm like, I made it out. It's okay, brother. Like, come on. You know, let's do this together. We, we will just, we'll, we'll walk that blazing furnace together, okay? And it hasn't happened yet. This church has been here for a long time. There's been a lot of shady people come in here, I'm telling you, okay? Might be some in here tonight. I'm not pointing fingers, but, you know, church hasn't burned down yet. But, but how many of you would, would like, you, you can think of somebody right now that would go, I just don't think I can go to church. Like, you just don't know what I've done. You don't know who I've been, what I've said, what I've done. My past would keep me from connecting with the Lord, from being loved by God. So your history is one of those things that can keep us from the Lord. Because here's the thing. Like, you know you're bad, but you know God knows everything, so you know God knows you're bad. And so it's like, 
yeah, but God knows everything that I thought did. You know, he knows it all. Like, there's no way, you know. So we talk ourselves out of God loving us because of our history. Next thing, hurts. Our hurts. Um, So think about it like this. Um, A fully developed, fully mature Christian will understand God's love for them in, in a very special way. Okay? I've never met a mature Christian, someone that I would call a mature Christian, and, and, um, and they did not understand the love of God for them in a very real, very mature way. Okay? But think about it like this. When I was 15, I broke my, I broke my elbow. Okay? And um, I think back, I was 17. I broke my elbow playing football, and literally like my arm went the wrong way. You know, like, so somebody hit me here, somebody took this part that way, I was going this way, my elbow went that way. And, and it's not supposed to go that way, right? Um, <laughs> if you've ever tried it, you know. Um, so, not smart. Um, but, so I ended up, like, they thought, okay, well, I didn't even know what had happened, because I got hit from behind. And all that I knew is that whenever I pushed myself up off the ground, I was in a lot of pain. And my elbow all of a sudden wouldn't move, right? So, I almost pass out on the sideline. Like, <laughs> my, my, my dad actually ran down the sidelines because somebody called my name because I was, like, swaying like this, like, holding my elbow. And, like, I turned around, and as I did, I almost fell over. You know, I was just, like, out of it. And my dad said, you have a tan, but you were as white as your helmet. <laughs> and he was like, I knew something was up. So they think all you need is some rehab. So I spent a few months in this, like, faux cast, like air up kind of thing, you know, puts pressure on it, won't let it, doesn't let anything move. We're doing some rehab. It's not working. After a few months, they go, something else is wrong. Let's go figure it out. They go to an MRI and they figure out that there's bone pieces inside of my elbow that are like locking up my elbow. Like we need to do surgery. We need to get them out, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. So they do the surgery and then they're like, congratulations, you get to be in a cast for six months. That's not cool at all, especially when the cast goes from your fingertips to your shoulder. Like my arm is stuck like this in this nasty cast for six months, right? So how many of you have ever had a cast before? Like you've broken a bone, you've been in a cast for a little while. You know that whenever you take the cast off, my arm was like half the size of this one. So I looked like I had like this gimp arm thing going on, right? And so like the, the truth is, is like it, like, and, and I went to lift weights afterwards and it was like, uh, uh, nope, okay, we're done. You know, like I was just totally weak inside of this arm, right? Why? Because it had been messed up for so long, Right? It couldn't mature. It's in a cast. I'm not lifting away. I'm not working it out. There was no way it was going to mature. And, and so this arm was, was way stronger, way more mature than this arm was. The truth is, for some of you, um, you had a hurt in your heart a long time ago that is restricted because it was never healed. It's been restricted from healing and maturing. And therefore, your heart has not matured to the point of understanding God's love for you. See, my arm was a physical hurt, but how many of you know that, like, emotional hurts can really hurt? And nobody else even really knows it, but you know it. And, and I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that had an abusive father, and because they were never healed from that abuse, they've never been able to understand fully the love of their heavenly father. Because there was no healing there, it stunted their growth. If I can put it that way. 
So sometimes it's our history that, that'll, that'll convince us we're not good enough for God's love. Sometimes it's our hurts, things that we never healed from that, that have stunted our growth or caused some immaturity in our, in our faith that has kept us from understanding God's love for us. Sometimes it's this. Sometimes it's our happiness. Sometimes it's our happiness. Now, the funny thing about this is that this one is, is like a state of mind. And, and here's the way it goes. You hear a lot of people go, well, if God loved me, this wouldn't have happened, right? If God loved me, this wouldn't be going on right now. In other words, because I'm not happy, I can't believe the Lord really does love me. And the conversation usually goes like this, but if he's, if he's all powerful and he's all good, then why do bad things happen? Listen, if you really genuinely have that, have that question in your heart, um, man, I'd love to sit down and have a conversation with you. There's others in here that would as well. Um, I'll point you to a book, C.S. Lewis, The Problem of Pain. C.S. Lewis is one of my favorite authors on the planet. He's, well, he's not on the planet anymore. He's in heaven. Um, <laughs> he, he's what we call an ODG, an old dead guy. Um, but we read a lot of his books around here. And um, man, you want a great book on, on, on pain? Go pick up that book, C.S. Lewis, The Problem of Pain. And so it, it, the thing is, is that people will use pain in their life or they'll use their unhappiness, right? When things aren't going their way, they will use that as an excuse for why God doesn't love them. Truthfully, um, that doesn't line up with God's word at all, if we're just being honest. And, and I'm not trying to make light of your struggle. If you're really in that place, there really are some great answers, but I probably can't give it to you in 30 seconds, okay? But um, I would encourage you, pick up the book. Come ask some of us. We'll have that conversation later. But how many of you have ever heard somebody say, because this is going on, there's no way God loves me, right? Because I wasn't happy with the situation. There's no way who God, who is all-powerful and, and all-loving and all-good, there's no way that he can actually love me. Otherwise, this stuff wouldn't be happening, right? Next thing is this, our habits, our habits. Now, okay, moment of transparency. Um, everybody raise your hand. Okay, some of you are like, I'm writing, give me a minute, give me a minute, uh, okay, there we go. So, all right, so you got one hand in the air, I'm going to challenge you to put two hands in the air if you're truthful. How many of you have ever repented of a sin and done it again? Raise your second hand. Everybody's hands are in the air. Okay, put them down. Very good. So, here's the truth, um, here's what happens. We, we have this idea, right? That, um, that, that sin is one of those things, especially like when you're, when you're saved early on, you, you like think of sin and you're like, I'm never doing that again. And then like a year later, you're like, ah, oh, I did it again. What happened, right? It, but, and that's one thing, right? But the way that you handle that, that sin that tempts you and that thing that keeps coming back, the way that you handle that will determine the habits that you place inside of your life. So the things that you do, if done repetitively, will, will turn into a habit, okay? And you can either have the habit of repentance or you can have the habit of sinning, right? And so the habit of repentance looks like this. Repentance says, okay, um, God is over here and I'm taking steps towards the Lord. And, and some of you are like moving really slow. You're like an old lady, right? You're like, you got the crutch out, okay? You're t- but you're taking steps towards the Lord, okay? And if sin's over there, every now and then you turn and you just sprint towards the sin. And then God says, what are you doing? And you're like, I don't know, I'm dumb, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Okay, let's start again, Right? And so, you know, we start going back towards the Lord, and then all of a sudden, sin starts kind of, 
hey, what's over here? And God's like, hey, yeah, whoa, I'm just kidding. No, I repent, okay? I turn around. It, you, know, you guys have been there, right? Okay, so here's the difference. <clears throat> if you give in to the sin and you don't repent, eventually sin becomes a habit, doesn't it? And, and the truth is, those habits can become very powerful in your life. We might call these addictions, okay? If you've ever dealt with or known someone who dealt with any sort of addiction, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, Men in the room, all of you know someone who is addicted to pornography. And they just feel like there's no way out, if we're just being honest. Some of you, you've had uh, family members or friends that dealt with drug or alcohol addiction. Things like that. So you got to think about it. They, they didn't take one drink of alcohol and become addicted, become an alcoholic, right? It, it took a repetitive habit in their life that created the dependence on the thing, right? So these habits, um, here's the problem. We know that these habits are wrong, but they're really difficult to overcome. They're really difficult to deal with. And so what we end up doing is we end up saying things like this. Um, <clears throat> God doesn't like that thing that I always do, so there's no way God loves me because of the thing. And so we go, I'm not, I'm not doing what God would love for me to do. And Jesus said things like, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments, right? And so us not obeying his commandments would, would point us in the direction scripturally to say we don't love Jesus more than the thing that we keep doing. And we, then we tell ourselves in our heart, well, if I don't love him, he doesn't love me. But the scriptures didn't say that, did they? What the scripture said is, Jesus said, if you'll love me, you'll obey my commandments, right? If you break his commandments, did God's love change for you? Or did your love change for God? You see what I'm saying? But, but we inevitably go, well, I'm not loving the Lord well. I, I'm not worthy of his love, right? So... <clears throat> We, we begin to think that as our sinful habits and the things that we keep falling into, we begin to think God can't love me because of those things. Because we're close to those things, we must be far from God. I would say that it's quite the opposite. Now, don't get me wrong. God is not pleased with your sin. God will not stand in the presence of your sin. But let me give you a little illustration, okay? Um, last Saturday, I took my two daughters swimming, okay? One of them's three, one of them's two. My three-year-old has, like, gotten the swimming thing down, dude. She's like a little fish, okay, which is really good because, like, this last summer, we were staying at a hotel up in the DFW area. My wife is walking next to the pool. My three-year-old literally bolts into the pool and jumps in and starts sinking to the bottom. My wife has to jump in, clothed and all, and go get her, okay? Like, so I'm really happy that my three-year-old knows how to swim now, okay? Because when she sees a body of water, she's jumping in it, Okay? My two-year-old has picked up on this same love of water. And, and except for my two-year-old, you know, my three-year-old may be in there swimming all day. But my two-year-old, she wants to jump off the edge of the pool like constantly, okay? And maybe we used to do this as she was little. She'd jump in. I'd catch her, you know. We'd put her back up there. She'd do it again. Kids do things like indefinitely, right? Like they just, you know, it's like an infinity of the same thing, right? Um, it drives us crazy. They love it, okay? But... She, she's at the pool Saturday. She wants to jump in. She starts. There's a really shallow end, and, and then it gets deeper, right? And it's never, it's never real deep, but she's two. She's like this tall, right? doesn't have to be real deep to be over her head, does it? So 
she starts jumping in where it's kind of shallow, right? And she's figured out, I can jump in. I'm, I'm above water. It's okay. I can walk around, do it again, you know, walk out of the pool, come jump again. Well, she keeps getting a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper, right? And she jumps in over here and she jumps in over here. And, and then finally, like, I'm kind of over here, you know, and it's pretty deep. And I know it's kind of above her head a little bit. And so she's jumping in and, and I kind of catch her a little bit. But I'm telling her, hey, you know, the water is too deep. She has no concept of depth. That's the problem, okay? So then, what does she do? She runs even further, okay? Now, when I see my daughter running to the end of the pool that is over her head, what do I do? I run towards her, don't I? Why? Because I know she's fixing to jump into something. She's going to be over her head. And she's going to need somebody to save her, isn't she? She's going to need somebody to deliver her from that situation. You know, there's an Old Testament name for God that literally means he is my deliverer. And time after time after time again, when you read through the Old Testament, you actually find out that the more that God's people turned away from God, it was like God got closer so that he could catch them when they jumped. And he delivered them. He became their savior. He took them, placed them back up on the edge where they were supposed to be, right? He let them try again. That's God's heart for us. See, when you're stuck in your habit and you're stuck in your sin, I don't believe for a minute that God is far from you. Actually, I believe that God is like hovering over you like the helicopter mom. And he's like, just cry out to me. I want to deliver you from this. Why? Because that's what I do for my kids. So I have to believe God does that for us. And I'll tell you this. In all the times that I have been disobedient to the Lord, I've never found him far away when I cried out. I've never cried out for God and suddenly realized he wasn't near. He's always been nearby. So even though we feel very disconnected from God and sin will disconnect you from God, I promise you he's near. He's waiting for you to cry out so he can become your savior, your deliverer. He's closer than you think. He's closer than you think. Jeremiah 31.3 says this, The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Everybody say everlasting. Everlasting means forever. Everlasting. Not ending. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Right? Like that's what everlasting love looks like. Okay? And, and for some of you, you're like, man, how does God do that? What, you know, what's the deal? But listen, God invented this love. Okay? And, and it is... The fact that love is a choice, not a feeling, that allows God to go, I've made a choice to love them forever. Even if their history is really bad. Even if they're hurt, I'm still going to love them. Even if, even if they're not happy, I'm still going to love them. Even if they're stuck in habitual sin, I'm still going to love them. Everlasting love means there is no end to his love. You've got to recognize this. This is point number one I want you to get tonight. Number one, God's love is unstoppable. God's love is unstoppable. Now, you might be tempted 
because of the, the few things we just listed that kind of we feel like separates us from God's love, you might be tempted to think that you could like out or outrun God's love. But Romans 8.23 is pretty intentional. It, it, God's love is, it, it's not, um, it, it's simply unstoppable. And you've got to recognize that Romans 8.23, it's not an exhaustive list. In fact, it's, it's, it's exaggerated on purpose. Okay? So, if I, if I tell my daughter, um, baby girl, I love you to the moon and back. Okay? Does it mean that I don't love her to Mars and back? <laughs> or, am, or am I like exaggerating for emphasis, right? And, and so, if you read throughout this scripture... Paul is literally exaggerating for emphasis. He's hitting some very key points. Listen, the power of hell could exist inside of you and God's love will not be broken for you. Here's an important one. Creation cannot separate you from God's love. You're created, aren't you? That means you cannot separate yourself from God's love. As a part of God's creation, he has been intentional about making sure he has made the decision in his heart. He has been faithful and committed to love us, no matter what. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. He's compassionate towards us. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You ever like... um, so, like, you're driving around in your car, and then the little gas gauge starts going over to E. <laughs> Boom. All right? If you let it go for too long, what happens? You run out of gas. Right? So, how many of you have, like, the warning light, and your car's like, go get gas, dummy. You got, like, 50 miles to your empty? Anybody ever? I've seen that one, obviously, right? Um, it's like the gauge wasn't enough, so now it needs to flash some stuff at you and go, no, seriously, you're almost out of gas, okay? The gauge wasn't lying. It, 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 here's the truth. Like, God's love tank is never on E. There is no end to God's love. You can't use it up. You can't outrun it. You can't outsin it. Like, he doesn't need to go fill up. He doesn't need to convince himself that he loves you, right? He doesn't need to fill his heart with love for you. His tank's always on full. His love for you is overflowing, if we can put it that way. It never stops. Number two, God's love is unbiased. So, who is included or who is excluded from God's love? Well, man, you know, if you were to go back and you were to read the New Testament, and man, I hope that you guys do. We, a lot of our leaders recently read the, uh, the Gospels, and um, <clears throat> man, it was awesome, by the way. You should totally read through the Gospels. Figure out who Jesus was as a man. It, it, you do that by reading the first four books of the New Testament Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you should totally read through them if you never have, okay? Um, Here's what you figure out, though. Jesus deals a whole lot with, like, the religious leaders of his day. And the religious leaders were pretty intentional about excluding people from God's love. In other words, you weren't a Jew. You don't deserve God's love. You were Samaritan. Man, we don't even like you. There's no way God likes you, right? Um, You were a tax collector, Man, you're not even allowed to go to church as a tax collector. What do you think that does to your heart? Do you think there's any love from the Lord in your heart whenever you're not invited into a church because you're a tax collector? You see what I'm saying? They were real good at excluding people. And so Jesus comes along and he puts a tax collector on his team. He's like, 
hey, uh, Levi, I'm going to come party at your house tonight, okay? Why don't you invite all your friends? Who are Levi's friends? A bunch of tax collectors, a bunch of sinners, right? And Jesus is hanging out with a bunch of sinners, and the religious leaders are like, hey, why are your disciples eating and drinking with sinners? And he's like, who else would they be eating with? Who do you think I came for? I love these guys, right? I'm not like you. I'm not... I'm not exclusive. I'm totally inclusive. Listen, these are a part of God's creation, and God loves them as much as he loves you. He wants to prove that to them. So let me ask you this. Why would we go on ASU's dorm tomorrow and go move a bunch of people into their dorms? I hope that we run into that one individual who goes, there's no way God loves me. And they ask the question, because they see our little blue shirt. It says, Kyle, hey, what's Kyle for? Are you like a frat? Yeah, get that all the time. What's Chi Alpha? <laughs> so, do you want us to be a frat? We'll be a frat. If you want to be a frat, sure. Yeah, okay, let's do that. No, we're, we're a Christian student group, man. It's Kyle Christian Fellowship, man. We're just a group of students, you know, thought we'd come out here and love on some folks. And, and I hope that just somebody gets moved in and goes, man, if those guys love me that way, maybe God does too. If, if, I'll tell you a story. Years and years ago, back when dorm move-ins wasn't a huge thing at ASU, if you go out there with us tomorrow, there'll be tons of people around. But I remember when, um, it was like a decade ago, okay, there wasn't a ton of people around. It was like the Christian ministries on campus were the only ones doing it. And a few other people started getting involved. And one of the guys on campus was watching us one day. He was trying to figure out whether or not we were legit. And he made this statement. He said, Heath, if it were up to me, you guys would be the only ones moving anybody in. I said, why? He goes, you don't discriminate. I've never seen one of your people walk by someone that needed help and they didn't offer them help. But I watched some of these other groups on campus and they're selfish and they only go to the cool kids. I wish they couldn't even help us move in. That dude wasn't a Christian. But I thought that was pretty cool for him to say about a Christian group. I hope that happens time after time after time after time tomorrow. I hope we're loving on people well enough that we are, we are so inclusive, right? So let me ask you this. Let, let, let me ask you a hard question. Like for you, who is it hard for you to love? Who is it hard for you to include? Is it a political party? Is it a race? Is it a gender? A social class? Is there anybody in your heart that genuinely, like, you kind of feel a little bit of a blockage there. It's hard for me to love them. God would say, they're my kids. How dare you not love my kids? I love my kids. Why don't you? These are meant to be your brothers and sisters. God's love is totally unbiased. Romans 2.11, for God does not show favoritism. His love is totally unbiased, totally unstoppable. Third thing is this, God's love is unearned. God's love is unearned. Ephesians 2.8.9 says, for it is... By grace that you have been saved through faith. This not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works. So that anyone could boast. Um, God's free unearned love. Shows up in our lives. Oftentimes as God's free unearned undeserved grace. Like in those times where we know we should be headed towards the Lord and we find ourselves heading this way, away from the Lord, it is God's love that draws us to repentance is what the word says. God's love 
that shows up as grace and mercy that is undeserved. Nothing we could do to earn it. Nothing we did to deserve it. We definitely weren't good enough to deserve it. And His love draws us towards repentance. So when you are the person, you're like, listen, Heath, I, I'm the dude that burned a church down. And there's this little piece of your heart that says, no, you really ought to be going to church. You really need to come and meet with the Lord. You got that friend that keeps pestering you about Jesus, you know? That, like, they're trying to get you to understand that God loves you more than you can imagine. You didn't earn God's love. You didn't have to deserve God's love. God chose to love us. In fact, the Bible says this, while we were still sinners, Christ died. Christ came from heaven to earth to live a sinless life and pay a sinner's death on a cross. Why? Because he loved us. John 3.16, God so loved the world, he gave his son, that any who would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That everlasting life doesn't just mean after death, okay? It means like right now. You can begin to live with the Lord that loves you right now. And then once you die, heaven. It's going to be cool. We want you there. Um, Hey, you're here for a reason, by the way. If you're invited by a friend, okay, (laughs) Um, you're here for a reason. They want you to go to heaven too. They think Jesus is pretty cool, and they wish that you knew him personally. Fourth thing is this. God's love is unexplainable. God's love is unexplainable. Now, if you read through the Word of God, you'll find all kinds of scriptures, poems, songs that were written about God's love. You'll find all these different um, examples and stories about God's love towards humanity and towards His creation. But if we're just being honest, God's love is really difficult to explain. I've spent the last 30 minutes trying to talk to you about it. But God's love is kind of unexplainable. It needs to be experienced. God's love is meant to be experienced. You see, we serve a living God. We serve a God who didn't just die 2,000 years ago. He's the God who came from heaven to earth. He's the God who decided to give his life for ours. Okay? He's the, he's the God who, who raised Jesus from the dead three days later so that now we get to serve a living God. That living God loves you more than you can ever imagine. That's why I can say that God's love is meant to be experienced. It's difficult to explain. It's meant to be experienced. And I believe for every one of us in here tonight, God would love nothing more than for you to experience His love for you. God would love to wrap you up in His arms. And there's something so special about that embrace. Man, it's hard, it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain. Some of you, I think, tonight, maybe you need to experience that love. Some of you tonight need to quit talking yourself out of God's love. You need to lose the history, lose the, the habits, lose the hurts. Put those things beside, just to the side. And begin to focus on the Lord, the Lord of heaven and earth. The God who loves you more than you can imagine. Maybe for some of you tonight, tonight's the night that you don't just put those things aside, but you turn away from those other things and begin to turn towards the Lord. We'd say it like this. You need to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. You make Jesus your Lord and Savior, He becomes, uh, then He opens up the door for relationship 
with God. Relationship is where you experience the love of God. Um, <clears throat> so tonight, if that's you, you're in that place, you need, to, you need to experience God's love. You need to accept him as Lord and Savior. Um, we're going to pray a prayer here in just a moment. And I'm going to give you an opportunity. And um, here's what we're going to pray. Lord, I repent from my old ways. And I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. We say this around here. Lord means he's king. He's the ruler. He gets to make the decisions in our life. From now on, we follow him and his will for our life. Savior means you can't get into heaven without him. You need for him to forgive you. You need for him to pave the way for you to get to heaven. There is no other way to heaven except through Jesus. We want to make Jesus Lord and Savior tonight. So let's do this. Everybody bow your heads. We're going to pray.